I'm thankful to see each of you today and invite you to take your Bibles and open them to the Gospel of Mark, the very first chapter, and I'll read for us today verses 14 through 20. After John, Mark speaks of John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people said, Amen. Back in seminary, I had a professor named Dr. E. Glenn Henson. Some of you have heard of Dr. Henson before. He taught spiritual formation. Did you have him back at Southern, Philip? I know. He was there at Southern and back in the day. And he taught Christian spirituality. And in his lectures, there, I don't know that a lecture went by where he didn't speak of a flower blooming to the sun. And I don't know that a lecture went by where, where he didn't say that we worship a God of 150 billion galaxies. Can you fathom that? It's hard to fathom. But we worship a God of 150 billion galaxies and I imagine even more. And one of my favorite things to do, especially in the winter evenings in the nighttime, is to go out and stargaze. If you've ever been at the beach in the winter, it's a wonderful time to stargaze. Or if you've been out in the mountains, wherever you are, where there's not much light pollution, you can stargaze and look at the heavens and just imagine the God who created it all. You might say, Pastor Bob, what do the night sky and planets and stars and such have to do with today's scripture? Like one of my favorites to look for is the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, and the North Star. What does this have to do with today's passage? It's about Jesus calling his first disciples. It's about making fishers of people. It's about say, Jesus saying, come follow me. And, and they followed. What does this have to do with the passage? And I'm glad you asked. The Gospel of Mark introduces us to the public ministry of Jesus. Jesus is on the scene. Jesus is on the move. And John the Baptist, a prophet of God, had been announcing the coming of Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus, 
announcing his public ministry, John had already baptized Jesus. At that time, God said to Jesus, you are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And the key moment in verse 14 is that John was put in prison. John the Baptist was imprisoned. And that launched Jesus into preaching the good news. And Jesus said, the time has come. Verse 15, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. And in my study for this passage today, the word that kept coming to me over and over again is that we need to consider the time. To consider what Jesus means when he says the time has come. We need to consider the time. We need to consider the call. We need to consider how we would respond to the call of God. We, we consider, consider, consider. And I started to wonder, well, I don't know that I know the definition of the word consider. I say it a lot, but what does it really mean? And according to Webster's, consider means to look at closely, to examine closely, to ponder, to think about something in such a way as to make a decision. And breaking down the word consider, con is simply a prefix that means with, and sitter, S-I-D-E-R, means star. The last part of the word consider comes from a root in Latin that has to do with stars in the heavens. And it means to express something using a fixed star as a point of reference. There's sidereal time, where time is measured by focusing on a fixed star, like the Polaris star, the North Star, which stays in the same place on the above the horizon. Just And there's uh, sidereal days, there's sidereal months, there's sidereal years, and they're based on a fixed point of reference in the stars, in the, st in the sky. And we go to t Hebrews 12.2, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is our true north. Everything that we say and do as Christians hinges on the way that Jesus said to do it and how he did it. So I hope today that as we listen to the story of the call of these first disciples and make it our story, that we will examine our hearts closely and consider how we will respond to the call of God in our lives. Perhaps it's a call to follow Jesus for the very first time when our eyes are open and illumined to the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. Our hearts are warmed or perhaps we are saying yes to serve or yes to be engaged with what's going on here at HRBC. So today, uh, there's, there's three things we consider, the time and our call and our response. So first, the time. There are two primary words in the Greek New Testament that have to do with time. They're translated as time. Kronos and kairos. And kronos means our time. Human time, chronological time. It's where we get the word chronology, chronograph, the ticks on the clock, our schedule, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, 365 days a year, chronos time, our time. And then there's kairos time. That's God's time. Jesus said the time has come, and Mark translates kairos here. 
where Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. The moment has arrived. There's a crisis of faith when people are called to repent of their old ways and to believe in the gospel. The Messiah had come, and people need to change their ways and follow in faith. Kairos had come. Kairos time is sort of like when a baby's coming. You might say it's pregnant time. When Melanie was expecting Isabella, I was supposed to have packed all of the bags for the hospital well in advance just in case. I had plenty of time. Who came two weeks early? <laughs> Who didn't have the bags packed? <laughs> you can, she can tell you that story. When a baby's coming, it's time. And it's not Kronos time. It's like Kairos time. That's what Jesus is saying. The time has come. It doesn't matter what time is on the clock. When a baby's ready to come, it's time. And here, God said, it's time. It was time for the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. For the one who would bring the good news to begin to change everything. Scholars have several ways of understanding this Kairos time. That it's the end of the law and the fulfillment of the law in Jesus with the principles of the good news. It's time to renounce dead works, repent of old ways, and believe in the gospel. Or Kairos is a, a symbol for the Gentiles that they are now included in the kingdom of God. It's, it's for all people. In all cases, God draws near to the people through his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He was with them in person, is with us today in spirit. And as soon as Jesus announces the kingdom of God, he calls persons to enter it. And he said, come, follow me. And then he would teach them to invite others to do the same thing. Hence, Jesus saying to these fishermen, come, follow me. And they left everything, including their livelihood and their families, and they followed Jesus Christ. And when God calls, we know that God will always equip us for that call and provide everything we need for that call. So second, we consider the call. First, consider the time and consider the call on your life. He would make them fishers of men. He would train them to go where people were. And he would train them not to, to bait a hook and catch them and bring them in against their will. But these fishermen fished by net and they would cast their nets and they would gather the fish unto themselves. And Jesus would help them take those same principles from their livelihood, from their work, and transfer that over to the gospel ministry. And you and I are called to do the same thing, to go where people are, to build relationships with them, and to share the good news by our words and deeds, and then to seek uh, through the power of God to gather them into God's kingdom, into the kingdom here and now, and at work in the church, and to point them to the kingdom that is coming. N.T. Wright speaks, the commentator speaks about how earth-shattering it would have been for these guys to just leave their families and their livelihoods. I mean, it's something that was not common at all. I mean, the, these families depended on these, these guys, and they left everything. I remember when my dad left the family business. My grandfather ran a hardware store outside of Philadelphia, and my dad worked there for a while and then decided to go out on his own and got a job, and he left the family business. It was very, very hard. People wondered why. But he knew that it was something that he felt that he was compelled to do. These men were compelled to follow Jesus. They took the risk. 
Sometimes it's hard to explain, isn't it, when you follow Jesus? Sometimes it's just, we just know it. It's helpful for us as we consider the call to look at call and response stories in the Bible. So my encouragement to you is if you are considering a call, whether it's the call to follow Jesus or to call to serve in some way, that you would go back to the Bible and read the call stories of people like Noah, Abram, Moses, Joshua, Esther. You are called, said Mordecai, for such a time as this. Or God said to Isaiah, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Or Amos, who was tending a flock and said, uh, that God, and God said, go prophesy to, to my people of Israel. And Amos did just that. Or God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. The people need to hear the message. And at first he didn't go. And then he did. And you've heard that story this morning. God said to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. And he went. God said to Mary, you will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Jesus said to Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. And he left his tax collecting business and followed Jesus. He said to Philip, follow me. He said to Saul, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you'll be told what to do. And Saul got up and went. Jesus said to Simon and Andrew, come follow me. And they left their nets and followed him. He said to James and John, sons of Zebedee, come. And they left their father and the hired men there in the boat and followed Jesus. Read these call and response stories. And reflect on them as you seek to hear the voice of God calling you to whatever that call is in your life. And we must, having done that, consider our response. How will we respond? The fishermen didn't delay. They immediately followed Jesus. And they received the fullness of his promises. We have the same promise today. The same call, the same promise and the response is ours to make. Consider the call. Consider your response. One of the most prominent groups of stars in the night sky is the Big Dipper. It's part of um, Ursa Minor, um, Ursa Major. It's, uh, the Big Dipper is comprised of seven stars, and it's called the Big Dipper because it looks like a, a ladle in the sky, a dipper that you dip water or soup. It looks like a ladle. Many scholars have found this figuration to be derived from Africa where the Big Dipper was seen as a drinking gourd. A gourd would be dried out and um, hollowed out and then uh, trimmed and so that it, it could dip water for people as they thirst. In the 19th century here in the United States, the Big Dipper was the key for runaway slaves who made their way north on the Underground Railroad. Drinking gourd was a key word for a Big Dipper. They made their way at night and would follow the drinking gourd to the north and to freedom. The drinking gourd, the Big Dipper, pointed them continually to the north star, Polaris, which is fixed in the sky. And if they got lost, if they lost their way, all they had to do was fix their eyes on the drinking gourd in the sky. Drinking gourd, true north, our Polaris, 
our North Star, let me suggest for us that is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Follow him in repentance. He's our true North. He'll never fail us. Follow him in faith. Follow him in freedom. Follow him to forgiveness. Follow him to hope. Follow him to love. Follow him to a newfound joy. Follow him to an everlasting peace. Follow him to make North Chesterfield and Metropolitan Richmond and the Commonwealth of Virginia and the United States of America and the ends of the earth as it is in heaven. Because it's time. It's time. And let us not delay. Let us run the race with perseverance that is marked out before us, as the writer of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, our North Star, our Polaris, our Big Dipper, our drinking gourd from whom we draw living water for life. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Follow Him. It's time.